This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. He is just an obsessive goal scorer. But they have to understand I chose to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And... I haven't got a problem with soccer, to be fair. Football. What I can guarantee to you is that they want to keep everything secret. Our life, baby! Welcome out to Champions YouTube friends. Drop in your comments and questions. In that chat, and make sure you hammer the like and subscribe buttons as we get stuck into the Champions League as the quarterfinals get underway in the House of Champions. Today, we got Nigel Rio Coker. There's Michael Hood, and there's Jim Spence. Just let me check in with the boys. Nigel, start with you. How are you doing? Good, thank you, mate. Always a pleasure to be on with you, uh, fine gentlemen, talking uh, the world's greatest game. Nice, thank you very much. Michael Hood, you got that cheeky little smile on you once again. It's almost as if you were right about something. Yeah, oh man. Well, I think you look like you're right about something. If there's something not quite right at some club, but I'm I'm shocked at some of the results today. I'm shocked at some of the performance today. One player in particular had an absolute shocker, but we'll get into the weeds and the details of that. Prediction God status has been left for James Bench because he's uh, nailing pretty much everything at this moment in time. James, uh, I thought I said that Benfica were going to win. Yeah, you, you oh, did. did you? I thought you said Inter. <laughs> no, I think, uh, well, I think I claim I, I did. Think, I really, I think, I think I've been saying lots of good things about Real Madrid as well, haven't I? <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> we can't wait for tomorrow. After what you said, we can't oh, wait, wait for tomorrow's game. Come mm. Okay. All right, let's get into it, boys. It is the Champions League quarterfinals. You are watching House of Champions right now. I'm here with the boys, and we're about to break down Manchester City's emphatic victory over Bayern Munich. It was a great victory. Three goals to nil there. Rodri on the score sheet, 27 minutes into the game, 71 minutes into the game. Bernardo Silva off the assist from Erling Haaland. Ooh, Pamecano had an absolute Nigel Rio Coca right there. Give it up. <laughs> the ball in an area I simply can't afford to do it. And then Erling Haaland, who else? The cheat code that James Bench just tweeted out there is Erling Haaland once again scoring his 45th goal, if I'm not mistaken, mm -hmm. for Manchester City this campaign. James, I'm coming to you first on this one. Um, wow, good result. Very good result for Manchester City first leg. Yeah, I mean, this is this is absolutely spectacular. Um, I know we could always wax lyrical about the goals. Uh, we could wax lyrical about Rodri, Haaland's brilliance in the second half, Julian Alvarez, who came on and ma made Man City a better team without Kevin De Bruyne in there. 
But I mean, I, I want to talk about these defenders because mm-hmm. if you ever wondered what Tony Pulis's version of Manchester City would look like, I think we saw it tonight. And I mean that in the most complimentary terms to Pulis, who I think is a hugely underrated manager. Um, this was as good a defensive performance as I've certainly seen from this City team and seen from a, a lot of teams in the Champions League. Um, by way of example, when that first goal went in, Bayern really ratcheted up the pressure, uh, at least in terms of territory, um, before half time. But they couldn't turn it into any shots at all. There was always a spare man, Nathan Ake, outstanding 1v1. Do you see Ruben Diaz doing the splits to save what would have been an absolutely certain goal off uh, Kimmich, I think it was? I think it's mostly. I mean, and that's, you know, that's what wins. I know it's a bit of a, it's probably a bit of a fallacy. But in the end, if you've got that, that attack at the other end, your defence is going to can win. You can win a championship with that defence, and, and they look like the best team in Europe by a country mile. James, real quickly before Mike jumps in here, I yeah. want to just throw a stat at you from that first half. Bayern Munich failing to have a shot on target in the first half of a Champions League game mm. for just the fifth time in the last seven seasons. Just to back you up there, James, go ahead, Mike. No, we have to keep in mind that how City set up an attack, a back three. John Stone's playing in midfield, just like they did against Southampton. Yep. Choosing to do that in a Champions League game, that takes big balls by Pep Guardiola. I said it, big balls by Pep. Was it a back? I didn't think that. it was a back three at all. I just No, in possession, Stones was in midfield. Yeah, 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 in in with yeah. Yeah. yeah, in possession is what I'm saying. Stepping in with Rodri, out of possession, back four, Stones comes in, and Manuel Akanji, who's a center back, slides outright to race Leroy Zane, which... On paper, that should be a mismatch. I thought Akanji did well. Sané looked like the most likely Bayern player to create something, had shots from distance. He was kind of resigned to shooting from distance. That's how good Man City did. It was a big gamble by Pep to play that way, and he was rewarded because with so many attacking options in attack, that's just a lot of confidence you have in your your back three and your back four to absorb the pressure. And then it allows the Erling Hollands, the Kevin De Bruyne's, the Jack Grealish's, the Bernardo Silva's to stay up high and even the Rodri's to play higher up the field. And I know we're going to dive into Rodri and what his performance means and kind of his resume and maybe the word world-class used to talk about him. But I think that tackle wrinkle, that was a bit of a chess match and chess game won by Pep. Mm-hmm. Well, Interesting. I mean, I agree with both of you fine gentlemen, but I'm going to go a bit of a different way. I think Thomas Tuchel got Tuchel'd because in my opinion, I think he made some big mistakes in the starting lineup. And as Ian pointed out and James pointed out as well, yes, Bayern Munich starting the game, kept possession well, but they weren't going anywhere. It kind of reminded me a bit of like watching Barcelona. Beautiful to watch on the eyes. They can pass, they can move. There was no end product, no sting, no venom. For a game of this magnitude, I felt that Bayern Munich were playing it like a preseason game. There was no desire. There wasn't no directness in the play. And even at times when you've got the likes of um, Sane out wide and uh, Coleman out wide, why are they not encouraging them to take people on -on one-on-one? Why are you not taking them? I think Muller should have started. Sade Mane should have started. And Cancelo should have started, in my opinion. I think those three players should have started in this game. I personally felt it was well done by Manchester City. Pep Guardiola didn't overthink things. The boys were well-organised, well-groomed, looked dangerous, defended with their lives, as James Binge said. But I personally feel that Bayern Munich made it easy for them because there was no real energy about Bayern Munich. They lacked purpose. They lacked desire. All season, 
awful performance. This is Bayern all season long, though. And as much as in the Champions League, we have watched them win games and not concede goals. In the Bundesliga, this is the performance. This is what you're getting from Bayern. Going forward, there's no killer touch there. There's no killer pass there. There's no real desire. There's no knowledge of where they're going to go with a freaking ball. And defensively, making mistakes and crushing themselves. Go ahead, Nigel. Sorry. It was just a quick one as well. I was going to say you're 100% right with that, Ian. But did you see the one or two times when they made a long pass and went direct? How Mm -hmm. they got easily in behind Manchester City? Why did they not do that more? We've seen it before with Manchester City. As good as they did today. They are so vulnerable when they give the ball away in the edge of the box and you've got players with pace. I don't understand how you don't start Mane and I don't understand how you don't start Cancelo or Muller for me. I, I just felt that it was just such a flat Bayern Munich performance. I'm not taking anything away from City because at the end of the day, at this level, it's a game of fine margins. You're going to get punished. And City deserved the win and Bayern deserved absolutely nothing because they were absolutely poor. I just want to go back though. Bayern did have good half chances. And when you're playing in big matches like this, and Benj, I know you're snarling at me and I'll explain. I I look at the Musiala chance in the first half. That is a good opportunity. Leroy Sané got in just after the halftime break. He had a good look. Ederson make a good save down low. Those are good opportunities when you're playing against a Man City team that's defending as good as they were. City didn't give them as much. I didn't say they had great opportunities, but in a magnitude of a game like this, those are chances you cannot squander. And the Ruben Diaz chance, that's just great defending. Any other given day, that's 1-0 Bayern, and we're we're looking at maybe a potentially different script. The killer instinct, though, that's what I love that you're mentioning. You, Nigel, you and Ian, both mentioning that lack of a killer instinct. We've been seeing it throughout the season. Chopamoting doing heroics at different times. The injury of not having a center forward of any kind. Thomas Muller, I agree with you. I was shocked when I didn't see him in the 11. I was shocked at some of the lineup decisions. I was shocked that in the last couple games when Musiala has kind of come off the bench, now he's starting in a game like Manchester City. That tells me that Thomas Tuchel went for mobility in midfield, defensive mobility, fresher legs, younger legs, maybe see if this game can go nil-nil for as long as possible, and then put t- Thomas Muller in, maybe put Saidu Mane in. But against Man City, you have to manage the game a heck of a lot better. And in possession, the warning signs were there. In the first half, it was summer. So close to giving up a goal on Erlen Holland. Then Upamakano yeah. says, anything you can do, I can do better and just absolutely shat his pants. And I'm surprised he kept him on the field after the first one. I would have yanked him off saying, Hey, you know what? You've done enough. It's not your day. Come off. But he kept him on the field and it shot Bayern Munich in the leg. See, I kind of agree with Tuchel's selection actually, because I mean, we're looking at this as half, I mean, uh, at halftime in this tie, it's over. But actually, if you kind of take it back to before Upamecano fell apart, and yeah, there were there were warning signs. He looked shaky. I mean, Jan Sommer looked like Jan Sommer. He looked like he would maybe save more, you know, and, and keep keep the goal tally lower than an average goalkeeper would. Some of the saves he made were spectacular. And I thought with the ball, Tuchel had obviously prioritised that sort of defensive possession that he used so well at Chelsea. And I think, frankly, I got the sense that he was perfectly happy for this game to be a sort of one nil until the 70th minute, and that's when you roll in a Mane. Um, what you can't account for as a coach, especially a coach who's supposed to be so good at coaching defenders and is so good at coaching defenders as Tuchel, is, you know, as as Mike was alluding to there, Dio Pamankano just being incapable of playing football. Um, 
I think that is, and Ian, you've, you've kind of hinted it as well, and maybe this is the criticism you lay at Tuchel's door, is it's not, the reason he has this job is because Bayern were making these lazy, sloppy mistakes. You know, the Pamacano was bad, but that, that bit before when Pavard decided to pass the ball back when there were four City players in the box and Son was falling to his feet, clearing, like, that is, um, to me, that, you know, I can't speak as a player, but that, that to me, is... Um, a team that aren't taking responsibility. You can speak as someone who knows the game very well. Yeah, That's exactly. You speak as, yeah. mate. So you can say that. You're 100% You're, right. I don't know what the right way of putting it is, but you are not kind of taking ownership of the situation. You're, you know, it's hot potato. Yeah. It's bail me out. Not, just you to, know, I'm Benjamin Pavel. I'll get rid. Just to jump on that with you, James. You're right. But for me, like I said, that alone, that incident just shows for me that Bayern Munich did not look like a bunch of players who wanted to win this game today. They treated this game like it was just another game. I didn't see no desire or urgency or importance in that. And that's what leads to passes like that. If you're trying to win a game away from home at Manchester City, you're playing on the front foot. You're being direct. You're encouraging your wingers to take people on. It was just so easy and comfortable. And let's be real, City have top players. Any good team with top players can sit there and they can say, right, break us down. And if you just pass that ball, move that ball so slowly, you have no chance of breaking teams down at that highest level with players of that quality and calibre. Because once you make a mistake and you give that ball away, they've got someone with pace and power who can go the opposite way and cause you problems. It was, for me, there was no desire in this Bayern Munich side. And Ian, you're right. There's definitely something not quite right at Bayern Munich. If they went back 1-0, I would have said, you know what, Bayern still have a chance. They're a different animal at home. But now, Matt set. Game's done. Man City are going through. Bayern are out. Nigel, they'll concede another three in Munich. Mm-hmm. It's, oh, yeah. it's just the I way it is right now. I mean, Manchester City right now, we'll turn our attention to them in just a quick second. And to back you up there, James, as well, trust me, you know more about football than many yeah. footballers that I actually played with. So yep. you don't need to keep I saying you guys that. who play the, played the game. Yep. It's not the case. <laughs> There's a lot of footballers who have played at the highest level who have no freaking idea what they're doing. They're just out there because they've got natural <laughs> talent. Yep. I, can't, I, I can't name one. I've got a world-class one at the top of my head who I worked with, and he's just a good friend, and I can't say it, but he's just <laughs> fucking cool. I'm just going to leave it at that. No, just yeah. put, um, it, put, it, put it in the group chat. <laughs> <laughs> I said world class, James Bench. I said world class. <laughs> All right. Uh, listen, I'm going to finish it off on Bayern Munich. Obviously, I, mm. I have been mentioning it for a while now. There's something not quite right about them. Yeah. And I think it's natural there. You don't have that killer. You don't have a Lewandowski you can rely on to score goals. And now, if you look at the way that they're shaped up, Bayern Munich, they're shaped up perfectly for having a killer number nine, having someone mm-hmm. who's there up top who can put the ball in the back of the net. Everyone's playing in a position outside of the number nine position, trying to create opportunities. And then in the end, second half, I don't blame Sonny. He just said, you know what? I'm just going to go myself. Started shooting from every mm-hmm. position he possibly could. That's what Bayern need to do if you don't have that number nine there. Defensively, you can't make mistakes like this at the highest level. This was the game I was looking forward to because I wanted to see where Bayern Munich were. Watch every single one of their games every single week and then this is where I wanted to know where they were. And now I know. I think they're just uh, nowhere near at this moment in time. They're not too far away. They only need to add yeah. maybe three or four players to that squad to be competitive in the Champions League. But do they want to spend that type of money? And I just don't see them doing that. Um, I will turn my attention to Manchester City, who we have to applaud here. Mike, I'll come to you on this one here. Great performance from Rodri. Got his goal. Third goal across all competitions this season. His first ever Champions League goal. Um, And it's a nice moment for him because this was a swing of the left foot that ended up in the top bin that actually Manchester City needed that goal to get things going. 
And they did. They they started the game on the front foot, putting a lot of pressure on the Bayern goal. Then Bayern started getting into the game a bit. Transition was always going to be the name of the game with the speed they have in that front line. And you knew it was going to take something special to break the deadlock. And boy, did Rodri deliver world-class strike with his weaker foot, as you said. And just the details of the game, it was Musiala who's in a deeper position, who jumps out, misses the tackle that you typically see made by a Bayern player. Bad defending yet again, bites Bayern in the backside. Kimmich too slow to step up. And Rodri just with a swing of the boot, laces it in the top corner. Nothing you can do about it. And we've seen Rodri score big goals for City. In the title run-in last year, him playing higher up the field yielded dividends for Pep Guardiola and his team. I think this guy doesn't get enough credit for his value to the team. James Would you Anderson? say he's the best midfielder in the world? No. <laughs> he is, though, isn't he? Uh, but why, tell me why, James. Tell me why. You brought this up. I'd like to hear this. Yeah, no, I said this in the group chat and was immediately shot down and then thought, if this is what I'm getting in the group chat, I probably should delete my tweet saying he's the best midfielder in the world. So uh, that was up for all of a minute. Um, he, he's the best midfielder in the world because he can do everything. He can create chances. He can get in shooting positions. Mike, you made a really good point. Last season, he had seven goals. This season... He's had about 45 shots, the most he's had in any in, in any Premier League season. So he contributes offensively. But obviously, you know, what you want him for is his ability to mop up play, his ability to win aerials. He makes, and I'm sure this is something that Nigel can uh, admire in particular, he makes the smartest fouls of any footballer I've ever oh, seen. Yeah, he is the best fouler of, of my lifetime. Um, Smart brain. And, and he, oh. sets, he sets the tempo magnificently. He sets the plate and then look, if you give him space, he will he will punish you. Um, so, yeah, you know, I mean, if someone wants to say it's Kevin De Bruyne, if someone wants to say it's Modric or maybe Kimmich, he was the only good player in a Bayern shirt tonight. I'm, I'm open to that. But, um, I mean, it's hard to say from personal, because, like, I can't, no one who is a City fan likes Rodri, but by God, do I respect him. I think, James, he's a good player. I'll give you that. But I can't give him the best midfielder in the world. I'm sorry. I think for me to be the best midfielder in the world, you have to give a lot more. And like, I'll, I'd say you could probably even say Jude Bellingham is one of the best midfielders in world football for me because of what he does. Because the thing is this, Jude can do what Modric, what Rodri does, which is cleaning up defensively, being hard to beat. But mm -hmm. Jude's got another dynamic side of him where he can get forward and score goals and make goals mm -hmm. as well. And he's a lot more impactful in the game. I feel at times with Rodri is... He's a lot more safety. He's more of a safety net of, yes, cleaning up, but keeping it very simple. There's midfielders who can do that, but also influence the tempo and the flow of the game by being a lot more direct with their passes forward and making things happen. I think we still got to take our hats off to Modric because what he's doing at his age, both defensively and attacking-wise and scoring goals, you have to say he's still up there. And one player who goes over the rate under the radar, people might not like him as well. I think Kamavinga deserves a shout because of what he can do in midfield and also his versatility when he can drop back at left back. But I think that mm. there's other midfielders for me ahead of him. And if, if you're going to say he's the best midfielder in the world, Man City is sitting second, belief Arsenal. Thomas Partey, <laughs> has been, Thomas Partey has been one of the big rocks of Arsenal's season and they're sitting top of the Premier League. And what Thomas Partey can do as well, and we've seen him put a few belters in the top corner. Yeah. But Thomas mm -hmm. Partey can dominate a game in midfield more so than Rodri can. So you have to put Thomas Partey in there, but it's a great conversation. But I would mm -hmm. still go with Luka Modric for me, for what he's doing at his age right now, is still the best in the world.
I thought you were going to say Declan Rice for a minute there. And I, was like, <laughs> I thought so. I thought so too. <laughs> Before we do go to a break, we've got to mention Erling Haaland. Just run through some mm. of the stats here. 22 years old, 34 Champions League goals now from only 26 games. For Dortmund, 86 goals and 89 appearances. Salzburg, 29 goals and 27 appearances. For Norway, 21 goals and 23 appearances. And for Manchester City, 45 goals and 39 appearances, including 11 in the Champions League. Um, James, you said cheat code when you tweeted that out. Um, you pretty much <laughs> most, is, right? Yeah, most goals ever by a, um, a, a but most goals by a Premier League player wow. across all competitions in a <laughs> in a season. It's April the eleventh, and this is a season. That's, not only is it April the eleventh in football terms, it's basically March the eleventh because we just missed <laughs> the month, haven't we? For for World Cup, um, yeah. No, when I say cheat code, I mean that like, this man should forcibly be made to retire. <laughs> sooner or later or you know what they, what, they, what they did to Messi let's invert that you know a few human degenerative <laughs> hormones just to stop Harlan getting too good <laughs> you know what James though ruining it you know what though you're 100% right it's a cheat code but you know as well you're in the press you can see the little murmurings coming he wants to go to Real Madrid it's One already day, I'm sure it and they haven't yeah. but I wouldn't be surprised if he leaves in the next season or two to go mm. He's dominated in the next league. season or so. Come on, no, I'm, I'm no. telling you, he's not, gonna stay. He's, not stay. he's not staying at City for long. One, one and done. Mm-hmm. Win a treble and he's out. I'll pack his bags for him. Yeah, I'll join you. <laughs> Just real quickly on the dynamic of Manchester City, Michael, come to you on this one, Nigel. Mm. Please feel free to jump in on this one. Tactically, the way Manchester City have set up. If you look at the statistics from last mm. season, Kevin De Bruyne's goals are way down, but his assists mm. are way up. Whereas last year it was his goals. You think he was in 20 plus goals last season and his assists were not as high. And now you've got that killer. Now you've got that focal point. Now you've got that striker. The assists from around the team have been really phenomenal. So City have had to change their game somewhat just to fit Erling Haaland in. And clearly they're being rewarded for that, Mike. It's been a big adjustment for Kevin De Bruyne in particular. You're seeing Jack Grealish step up with goals and assists, but that's taken time. Bernardo Silva has played right back. He's played winger. He's played centrally. This has been an absolute revolution in terms of tactics from Pep Guardiola, but it's worth the price of admission when you have a world-class striker like Erlen Holland. Last season, City, that's the only thing they were missing. De Bruyne had to step up in the goals department because they didn't have a striker. Aguero on his way out. Gabriel Jesus, they thought he was their guy, but he only came in towards the end of the season. Now they have their main man, and if they keep up like this, there's no stopping him. Yeah, I'm not going to really say too much. Mike's got it 100% right, so obviously I'll be repeating what Mike said, but I think the main difference for me is this, that Kevin De Bruyne has that vision and that quality to find the assassin Haaland. That's the difference. So obviously now... Jack Grealish can score more goals because that there's no reliance on Kevin De Bruyne to score goals, but more so to provide goals for the assassin of Erling Haaland, which he has the ability to. Great comments jumping in from everybody out there. Nice one from Dart Thrower. He said, Ian, nice two-bet sweep. I'm here for you, you legend. I appreciate <laughs> you as well. Jump into everybody else there, including Liam, who's saying result would have been very different under Julian Nagelsmann. Kiwichi jumping them. in and saying the same thing. <laughs> Julian, sacking Julian was a mistake. Big comment right there. Vic saying within eight minutes into the second half, Sani hit three shots on target. Would have been one or two goals against Kepa. And then Tats, honestly, 27 goals in 30 games. 
games, 11 goals in 13 games in the Champions League. He's officially the best player in the world right now. Certainly the most dangerous for Ballon d'Or. Thanks to everybody for jumping into the comments. We'll get to most of them as we possibly can. We have to take a quick break because we went five or six minutes over that. When we return, we'll turn our attention to what happened in Lisbon between Benfica and Inter. Stick around. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Well, TBS Sports Galato Network, the first of its kind free 24-7 channel dedicated exclusively to global soccer coverage is launching, of course, today, Tuesday the 11th on CBS Sports app, Pluto TV and Paramount Plus. Get your morning started off on the right foot at 7 a.m. with Morning Footy, our weekday soccer culture-driven morning show. Plus, don't miss the rest of our comprehensive program lineup, including live matches and rears, original studio shows, highlights, documentaries, and so much more. CBS Sports Galato Network is the ultimate year-round streaming destination for fans of the beautiful game it got off and running this morning it was fun to see 24 7 soccer in the united states of america never thought i would see it so glad to be a part of it house of champions everybody welcome back james bench nigel rea coker and there's my man michael LaHood, who i'm going to first on this game champions league quarterfinals got underway today we turn our attention to the game that took place in lisbon benfica against inter milan halftime nil nil very close very edgy affair both teams had opportunities maybe inter had a, a little bit of a sniff better than benfica in that first half but in the second half I was so impressed, Mike, with what uh, Inter did. Nicolo Barrella got the opening goal, his second Champions League goal of the season. Lovely assist from Bastoni. Romelu, big Rom. This is how he should be doing it. All of his action right there on the pitch, scoring goals. I love to see it. Thought the handball was a bit harsh there against Jao Mario. Interested to hear what you say. But big Rom, 71 goals now from 118 (laughs) games for Inter Milan in his career. Love to see it. Mike, your thoughts on the game? As I said in the preview, this game was going to be decided what, by what would happen in both boxes. Inter had to be effective and had to win the battle of both boxes. Benfica, when they got the ball, they looked dangerous at times, but they didn't have that killer instinct and that finishing touch. Rafa Silva in the first half had a few chances. Andre Onana, he stepped up in the previous round, stepped up again. Mind you, that final save... Right before the final whistle, that was crucial because if it's 2-1 heading back to the San Siro, then it's game on and actually favor Benfica because that inter crowd, that San Siro crowd, they can turn on you. Don't be silly, Mike. They haven't conceded a goal in four Champions League games now. Very difficult. But they've they've, they've been up and down. They've been up and down. I just say that. Mike, I, this is difference. your reverse psychology, by the way. Anytime you say shit like this, I'm always thinking, he doesn't really mean that. He's actually no, going to the I actually, no, I, This dead. time, I actually do. This time, I actually do. There's no psychology in this. The big difference, I think, is the game wore on was in the midfield. Barella was excellent. Henrik Mkhitaryan, 
I thought he was my undercover man of the match. What he did on both sides of the ball really teed it up for the outside backs to get forward, for the strikers, and the strikers really didn't have to do as much. Inter bypassed the press of Benfica, playing long, and really pushing Benfica's back line back, running towards their goal, wore them down, and they managed this game to perfection. Keeping the zero is massive going into the second yep. leg. No doubt. Well, I think for me, Mike... Um I listen. I, I, I was a big fan of Benfica, and I still am. I think. Yeah. I hold on, Nigel. Hold on. Hold on, Nigel. Hold on. <laughs> right. All right. Listen. Bellows just jumped in here, and he said, Wait, look, hey, the Coker, your hate for Inter Milan didn't win Benfica the match." All right. <laughs> Don't try to touch the comments. <laughs> Bello, I don't hate Inter Milan. There's a difference. I felt early on in this competition, we saw Benfica play some absolutely extraordinary football. What this match boiled down to, in my opinion, was still a good game of football. It came to experience and youth. Inter Milan's average age was 29 years old. You could clearly see in their performance. Benfica's average age is 24. The experience shone through in Inter Milan in how to win football matches. Sometimes you can play all the beautiful football you like, but if you don't win that game, that's what people are going to talk about, who won. And that's what Inter did. They became a brick wall. Benfica couldn't break it down. They were lacking creating chances. They were lacking anything in that final third into rid the storm and punish them. The handball was definitely a tough one. But I think when you look back at that game, Ian, experience absolutely trumped the youth of Benfica. Well, I'm just happy for João Mario because he does love a penalty, doesn't he? I mean, and I think it's, <laughs> it was pretty clear to him that Benfica weren't going to get one, but he made sure there was a penalty on the night. I mean, yeah, Nigel's kind of hit, hit the nail on the head there. Um, it really was a sort of, uh, maybe a game where Benfica sort of from the highlights seemed to, to, to freeze a little bit. Um, just some fairly basic errors that I think we've not seen from that. Like, you know, I've always wondered how they would do against a really top side. And it looks like we're probably never going to find out, sadly, this season. Um, but they they froze, they made clumsy errors. If Barella hadn't scored that header, there was someone running in behind him that would have, I think that will really disappoint um, the Benfica supporters, and I know we have many of them on this this stream as well. They've just they've timed their wobble atrociously. Um, yeah. They could, and still might. You know, this is a team with if you've got Rafa, if you've got Neres, if you've got uh, Gonzalo Ramos up front, you can score two, you can score three. But James, James, you got to James, you got to provide for Ramos. Lana is is <laughs> phenomenal. <laughs> hey, listen, I just go ahead, nice. I was just going to say, you've got to provide for Ramos. Ramos was yeah. starved today. Mm -hmm. There was no real provision for him. And maybe to a certain degree now, you can kind of see how they meet, miss Enzo Fernandez. You can see how much of a vital part he was at this team. And especially for a game of this magnitude, he could have been a bit of a difference maker in that midfield area. But I just think for me, that was just a typical Inter Milan performance. Do you know what I'll just say? Oh, let me say this quickly, Ian, before you move on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why am I getting flashes of Inter Milan <laughs> being like Chelsea when Chelsea won it with a very average team? And we're getting through mm. games defensively strong and just pulling out these results. Why is this Inter Milan team reminding me of that Chelsea team under Thomas Tuchel? That's all I have to mm -hmm. say. Well, it's interesting. I mean, let's turn our attention to Inter. Obviously, we, we reckon that they're under a bit of pressure. Certainly, the coach is under a bit of pressure. But that type of performance there was made for this stage. Away from home to get that type of result without conceding a goal. Four consecutive games now without conceding a goal. Uh, they were 1-0 at Liverpool, 1-0 against Porto at home, 
0-0 at Porto. And then, of course, this uh, 2-0 victory at Benfica. I mean, that is incredibly impressive to go clean sheet and all the way through to this part. Could they make it to the final here, Mike? Or are they maybe no. just underachieving too much? You don't think they can get past Napoli as well or Milan? No. They, they, they How they're doing it and keeping the clean sheets, Onana is standing on its head. And I think that you can ride your goalkeeper's luck all the way to a final. We've seen it happen for teams before. But right. teams are missing. What's that, Nige? You can't say luck. Let's be real. Onana is a sensational job. That's his job. He's doing his job and he's sensational. The saves he's been pulling off? Come on. Mate, did you watch the second leg of the FC Porto game? There wasn't luck involved in that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But still, Onana pulled some saves. I'm saying, like, the goalkeeper. It's not just hitting off him and then going away. Like, he's pulling some great. That's his job. He played. He's he's, he's playing. He's playing lights out. Yeah. But. That's you're playing with fire if you're expecting your goalkeeper to just continue this red hot form. You of all people should know you're a Man United fan. Look at how, how long your goalkeeper oh, stayed your ass. No, I thought we were putting the cape on Casemiro, not David De Gea. Casemiro and Rashford, that's how we're winning games. It, it, oh, you're inclined like for XG and stats and all that. Anana is, I believe, is, is saving one fewer goal, or so letting in one fewer goal per game than the XG suggests he would and I think Onana's phenomenal yeah um but what we're talking about there is some like combo of Lev Yashin Gordon Banks and Prime Petr Cech like no one is as good as Onana is it in the Champions League like goalkeeper XG numbers are a bit of a nightmare and we're talking small sample size as well but I, I do agree with Mike in terms of you can't ride Onana all the way to the Champions League final equally you know they're only if they if, if AC Milan do something against Napoli, like there's no reason why Inter can't be a better team than Milan over 180 minutes. I, I, I wouldn't rule them out of getting to the final at all and then getting spanked by whichever one of the big three comes out of the Real Madrid. Yeah, exactly. Not <laughs> it's also also getting players back fit and healthy, playing um, properly, match sharpness as well. I mean, obviously Lukaku's goals and his great start came out from this game as well. Five players have scored 10 plus Champions League goals for Inter Milan in the Champions League era. Adriano, Julio Cruz, Hernan Crespo, Samuel Eto, and a big Rom now. Um, and it says here in the stats, he was the first uh, European to do so as well. So nice to see. Maybe it's the right time for Inter and maybe they're on the right side of the bracket to do something quite unique and special, especially with uh, Milan and Napoli going head to head at it tomorrow, which is where we're turning our attention when we come back. Quick break from us. Uh, when we do come back, as I said, we're turning our attention to the games that are taking place on Wednesday. We'll get to a few of your comments as well. Stick around. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. If you're a US-based fan of the beautiful game, Paramount Plus is an absolute must-have subscription from the NWSL to the Champions League to Serie A and so much more in between. Not sure it's for you? That's a question mark right there. And you can also try one month for free by using the code NWSL2023. Okay, let's turn our attention to the Champions League quarterfinals that are taking place on Wednesday. We turn our attention to Real Madrid against Chelsea. Um, I guess I'll come to you, James, on this one here with Ancelotti talking about (laughs) ruling out a move. To Chelsea here uh, in brackets. I have a fantastic memory of Chelsea. I'm a supporter of the club. I won't return there. Me going back to Chelsea as a coach, no. I think Lampard is the right man and he will do a great job with them. Lampard jumping in and saying, this is amazing. I've managed in the Champions League before, but a week ago today, I didn't even know I'd be here. It's a huge honor. Really interesting comments from Frank Lampard to say. Wow. Presumably Carlo doesn't have the ear of James Corden or, or anyone else that was in the cast of the his, Alan Bennett's beloved play, The History Boys. And that's really how uh, Chelsea are going to decide their new manager. You know, what does Sasha Darwin think? Uh, and has he got the uh, ear of Todd Bowley? Um, I mean, of course, like Carlo Ancelotti, it was never coming back. He is the ultimate manager of elite talent that just needs coaxing. He is not the sort of person that you bring in when, as he proved at Everton, he's not the manager you bring in when everyone's on fire and you ask him to put out the blazing inferno. He's the man that coaxes the the superstar talent. He's the next Brazil manager. Uh, Frank Lampard has an absolutely thankless task, but equally for that reason, it's a great opportunity for him to to heighten his reputation because if he even just draws in the Bernabeu, which I think Chelsea are perfectly capable of, everyone uh, in the Premier League will be suddenly thinking, well, you know, the, the stupid clubs in the Premier League will suddenly be thinking, oh, Frank Lampard, do we want him in the summer? Um, so it's a great opportunity for Lampard, as, as he well as he well knows and as he expressed. Uh, James, 
I absolutely love your prediction for this tie. And uh, every time <laughs> I've gone on air since you said that, I have mentioned your name and I have mm. mentioned what you think will happen. And every time you mention it on this show, I look at Michael Hood and he just sort of shakes his head a little bit every time you mention it. You know, like now. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what's going on there, Mike. Come on, let's get to the game tomorrow. Obviously, first uh. leg in Madrid. Going to be difficult for Chelsea. Come on. Yeah, Chelsea can't do the one thing that you need to do. And no, you don't need to do it in this first leg, but you need to end up doing it. Unless Madrid absolutely crap the bed in front of goal, you need to be able to score a goal. They're giving up goals right now. If they were eking out nil-nil draws all over the place, it'd be one thing. The resolute defending that you would expect if you're going to be a team that doesn't score goals, it ain't there. Frank Lampard doesn't know. His team right now, he showed up to Wolves with a back four when the team has been playing a back three or back five throughout the season, 3-4-3. Three, three. That's a big question mark for me. I think Chelsea and Madrid, I think it's going to be a closer game than expected, but I think Chelsea are in trouble in this first leg. Nigel, it looks like they're going to have um, players back fit and healthy. It looks like Mount will be healthy, Thiago Silva and Kante will all be healthy, ready to rock and roll. So it's good to see players coming back fit. Match sharpness is a different question, however. Even if they are match sharp, what are you expecting from Frank in Madrid? Like how he t sets his team up. Do you think he goes defensive here? Do you think he goes for a goal? Like What are you thinking? If he's got any sense, he better go defensive. Like, what was he going to try and go for? They don't have a striker. Aubameyang's <laughs> on a holiday. He's been on holiday all season, chilling on the Chelsea bench and hanging out in London. It's, 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 let's be real. It's one of the worst run football clubs in the history of football right now, what we're seeing at Chelsea. It's become a soap opera and a laughing stock. How why? Why is it the worst run football club? Go on, tell us why. Because mm. of recruitment, what they've done. You sack Thomas Tuchel after you just take over, after the second loss, and you buy Aubameyang get Aubameyang a contract and you sack the manager who bought him in. Then since then, you've made crazy decisions. You bring Graham Potter in, who I don't blame Graham Potter for taking the job, but everyone knows Graham Potter was not ready for that level in the dressing room of the big personalities he has to deal with. When you've got those type of players there, you need a, a manager with big character and big personality. I understand Frank Lampard's a legend. He's been at the club. He got sacked. The manager who came in took an average team and won the Champions League that year. That year. And then now you bring him back in saying that he might be an option for next season. They play Wolves. They lose 1-0. Like, it's, it, the club is an absolute joke. They buy Modric for how much? And look at Trossard's. Look at what Trossard has done at Arsenal while Chelsea got robbed of Modric. They paid for Fernando, Fernando Enzo for how much? 120. No other club in world football, not even Real Madrid or Barcelona, would pay that money for Enzo because they know that they would get taken advantage of. Chelsea is an absolute joke of a football club right now. And if that story is true about Todd Bumpy <laughs> getting the hell James Gordon, who's a West Ham fan, failing to hire Frank Lampard, <laughs> you just have to laugh. James Gordon is a West Ham fan and he tells him, hi, my mate, Frank Lampard. Like, come on, man. I, listen, personally for me is this. Real Madrid, a team you can never write out. They're a team of superstars. Where is the weakness in this back line? What Chelsea player is going to be a problem for that back line in Real Madrid? There's not one weakness in Real Madrid's back line that you can say. Every player is good one-on-one -on -one defensively and they're comfortable to do it. They've got the best midfielder in the world for me in Modric and Cruz, Cruz as well still doing it. You've got Valverde. Vinicius Jr. is a man on heat right now. He is the face of La Liga. He's not going to take it easy. He's not going to be like how Bayern Munich approached this game today against Manchester City. Real Madrid are going to want to go and spank Chelsea and they want to go and embarrass them. They know that they don't have La Liga. This is their 
golden ticket, the Champions League. They're going to go all after it. I'm finished. Uh, I'm gonna comment. I see everything that comment. Nigel's That's saying, great. and he's completely right. And I still think Chelsea are going to win. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, if nothing else, for, for how long now have Real Madrid just, you know, bafflingly managed to win ties that they have absolutely no business winning? How I often agree. have yeah. they turned it round? How often have they narrated their way out of a hole? Like, why shouldn't it happen back to them in the most stupid circumstances? Why shouldn't, you know, I mean, that's all I have, really. I have that <laughs> and the sense that I actually think that Chelsea have a midfield that matches up really well against um, against Madrid's. And I think I, the one thing I would pick uh, uh, Nigel up on, as much as Enzo Fernandez was an overpay, this guy's a fantastic passer of the ball. He's brilliant yeah, at getting Chelsea bar. up the pitch quickly and effectively. Um, Who would you rather have, him or Modric or Kroos? Uh, well, I'd have Enzo Fernandez because he's half their age. Um, <laughs> but I mean, like, yeah, for this game, maybe Modric or Kroos, but still Kante over any of them. Uh, who was the one player we True. forgot for best midfielder in the world? Um, I, th- I I just have this little sense that, like, sometimes someone's luck has to break favourably. And I know this is stupid and it's lazy analysis, um, but yes. I could do the data if I needed James. to. But <laughs> no. I, just, I think Chelsea's luck's in. No, James, mm. I just have to say this one player, Vinicius Jr. That's all I have to say. This kid is making a, a statement to say that I am the world's best player. He's not taking it easy on no one, especially Champions League. He knows this platform. This is the type of game that he's going to sh- That's what I just have to say. Just Vinicius Jr. He's going. To, he's the difference maker and he always mm-hmm. turns up consistently. If we look at the other game that's taking place uh, on Wednesday, AC Milan against Napoli, no Simeone, no awesome men for Napoli. Uh, tough task here, Michael. Yeah, it's going to fall down to Raspadori leading the line, but Cavadis Scalia, he was doing miracle working while Osiman was out. Different players have stepped up. I know Zilinski is well tasked. Politano really stepping up since the World Cup break, but it's going to be Cavadis Scalia in this first leg that all eyes will be on to really create something out of nothing. Not giving up a goal or keeping it tight as can be. That back line, Kim Minjai, he will be looked to as well to really stifle AC Milan's triumvirate of Olivier Giroud, Brahim Diaz, and Rafael Leal. If you keep those players in check and maybe you get a 1-1 draw or sneak a 1-0 win, that will be massive for this Napoli side who will be waiting and chomping at the bit for the return leg. But it's hard to really see Napoli getting more than a draw, I think, personally, in this first leg. Without Victor Osiman, I think that's a tall order. Osiman is a massive, massive, massive factor in how they play. James? Yeah, I, I, I do agree with, with Mike that maybe this is a game where Napoli almost kind of the advantage of not having Osiman and, and Simeone, and you'd obviously rather have them, is that it maybe just encourages you to, to be a bit more cautious, to, to not overcommit. And to play the tie as a two-legged tie, which I do think we've not seen that many teams in the Champions League so far, just mm-hmm. play it a bit smart, play it a bit tactical. I'm certain Spalletti can do that. I really like the look of how that Napoli defence lines up against um, against AC Milan in open play. I know they'd let in four goals last time out, but actually if I was picking a defender to slow Rafael Leao, Giovanni Di Lorenzo would be right up there. Same with Kim Min-Jay and Olivier Giroud. I think you do have to kind of have a conscious memory that as even Spalletti said that that 4-0 defeat it don't count we weren't playing we weren't playing properly the only concern you have with Napoli is is can they like can they switch it back on 
Um, if they do, I think they'll be they'll be okay in this tie, and and we'll get through. Or we'll be okay in this game, and we'll get through the tie quite comfortably. Nigel, before you jump in on this game, I just want to let you know that the last two times Napoli played in Milan, they won. They won two goals mm-hmm. to one, September eighteenth, twenty twenty-two, and up top for Napoli in that game was Politano, Raspadori, Kvaratskhelia. They also won in December nineteenth, twenty twenty-one, and up top for Napoli that day was uh, Petania, and then they had Lozano, Elmas, and Zelinski in behind. So there was no awesome in, in that game either. Um, but the boys are pretty much right here, though. I think it's over two games that Napoli have to take this, right? Yeah, and I think, uh, like what James and Michael said, they're 100% right. I think that Spalletti has to be a lot more tactical. Osman for me, is a key factor in how this Napoli side play. It's not just the goals he scores, but it's how he brings the team high up the pitch, the high energy, the high press. That adds so much to a team. When you play with a striker with the same kind of energy and intensity that he shows... It makes it so easy for the rest of the team. It makes it easy for the defenders to keep a high line because you've got a striker that's going to press and force mistakes. That's going to be something that's big missing. It's an opportunity for Quicha Jaraskelia to finally step up and be the star that we all think he is now. So this is his moment. But it's definitely going to be a, a piss-off, Ian, a more tactical <laughs> by Napoli. And I think that if they can make it and keep it tight, I can still see Napoli getting through because I'm with James. I think Napoli's defence is still stronger and better than uh, AC Milan's. Ed jumped in and said, who would have thought that there would be a time that a Milan derby might be the most disappointing semi-final outcome? (laughs) (laughs) What a great comment. Uh, Great stuff today, boys. Before we do go, I want to get to some final thoughts here. James, there is some news coming out recently about uh, the future of Jude Bellingham and potentially... We were all talking about where his destination would end up going. I think it, it is right now. We, we should start to talk more and more about Bellingham leaving Borussia Dortmund. I don't think it's the right club for the next step of his development. I think he has to get out now. He's had a great phase. He's made sure he's learned the game. He's improved as a player. And he's become one of the most sought-after midfielders now. And you're hearing that maybe Liverpool are out of the race. Yeah, the indications coming out of Anfield are that Liverpool are not going to be uh, looking to spend the sort of money that Jude Bellingham would cost, you're talking 120, 130 million. They know that there's a huge rebuild to be done in that midfield and across that squad. And yeah, the indications are that Liverpool are saying now we're not in the uh, Jude Bellingham business. Now, a suspiciously minded person might suggest they're saying that now rather than looking foolish in the summer when he goes, if and when he goes elsewhere. Um, Mm -hmm. because why would he pick a team that's not going to be playing in Europe? But uh, yeah, Liverpool (laughs) going to be looking elsewhere. (laughs) Ed is so funny. (laughs) No, they were on World Cup duty, Ed. That's why they they were... They were courting him in World Cup duty and it didn't work out. (laughs) (laughs) Michael, thoughts? Uh, On Jude or just final thoughts? Jude, thoughts, whatever you want. We're out of here. Yeah, final thoughts. You know, Jude's covered. I'm looking forward to to just tomorrow and Thursday's matches. I'm already getting ahead of myself saying Thursday's matches, but I'm keen on seeing the Chelsea-Real Madrid match. James, I can't wait to see the final result of this first leg. I've already got my first intro just statement for you when we turn on the red lights, but I could be eating my words, so it's all to play for. Nigel, we're saving a final word for you. 
Uh, looking forward to honestly, I'm looking forward to that Chelsea Real Madrid game tomorrow. I'm mm-hmm. interested to see how Real Madrid play. Uh, Jude Bellingham, we've all said it. Well, I've said it. He needs to go to Real Madrid. He needs to stay away from the Premier League, go play somewhere else because the, the kid is a star, and I feel he'll be better for his career and also for England if he goes to Real Madrid than than joining the Premier League. Yeah, I'm with you there. And uh, so is the Brown Glokage who's jumped in the comments and said Real Madrid is the best choice for Bellingham, potential Champions League silverware. Lovely to hear that. Liam saying, is that really how you say it, Nigel? Kvaraskelia? Kvaraskelia. I hope he scores a hat-trick tomorrow so I can listen to you say that more times. Uh, boys, great stuff. I appreciate you always. Great stuff to everybody out there. Thank you so much for jumping in the comments. We appreciate you. To everybody out there listening to House of Champions, take a minute to leave us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcast. Also available as videos, so subscribe to us on YouTube. Back again at it tomorrow as soon as the games end. So make sure you tune back in to House of Champions. We'll see you